Love this story, don't you? Why do you think the Holy Spirit recorded this, impressed that Luke record this event for the church for all ages to know? That's always an important question to ask. Whenever you study God's word, whether it's a historical book, a narrative like this that's telling a story, or an epistle that's giving us truth, we always need to ask, why did God want us, his people, to hear this? And I believe this story's here for our time and our place. We know it's true for 2021. There's encouragement here, lessons to redirect us, to correct us, to strengthen our trust, to make us want to obey, to be bold for Christ. Have you noticed that the church, here it is in, in, in Acts chapter 12, again, in spite of tremendous pressure, persecution from political forces and religious foes, the church was making disciples all the time. They were obeying God, God the Spirit, and in his power having success. In spite of their prejudices and their cultural differences, the apostles and, and the disciples were learning that their vision for the kingdom of God was so small compared to what God had in mind. I think Peter, later on when he wrote his epistle, this experience had to be in his mind, how God had delivered him, and he was just reminding his followers then and, and us now, that we are a chosen people. And we sang that this morning. That we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart to God, a people that belong to God. And John had a vision in the book of Revelation about heaven and how it included every nationality, every tribe, every people, every language. It's just an amazing picture. But this morning, I want to ask ourselves, how did the early church survive and even thrive when they were being pressed down on, being, they were struggling against so many foes? How could they remain steadfast? How could they remain abounding in God's work? I've been reading a book. I recommended it, by the way, by Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Jesus for sinners and sufferers. It's a great devotional read. I highly recommend it. And he reminds us the only way that you and I, any believer, can persevere in the faith is because Jesus Christ's heart, our Savior, his heart perseveres for us. Even when we go astray, his heart is always reaching out to us. We stand because he stands by his children always. He's risen. He conquered sin and death, and anyone who believes in his name shares in that victory. So we can say with the Apostle Paul, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. So this morning, real quickly, I want to take a look at five lessons. Got that five? I still only have 30 minutes to go, okay, so I have to put them in. Two kingdoms at war, but God is with us. God delivers his people because he never forgets them. Angel activity reminds us that God is for us. Even earnest praying with doubts, God answers prayers because he is with us. God and his word endures because he's the unchanging Lord of all, he is with us. So let's take a quick look at the first five verses. Two kingdoms at war. 
There's an earthly king. His name is King Herod. Herod Agrippa, to be exact. He's the nephew of the Herod that had John the Baptist beheaded. He's the grandson of the Herod that had the innocents killed in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Great heritage. He had Jewish interest. He was an Edomite. And through his connections in Rome, he had consolidated his territory in all of Judea and Palestine, and he really was the king of the Jews at this time. And he did everything he could to keep the Jews happy because those were his main constituents. He even participated in Jewish religious activities. He read the law of God at the appointed time when a king was supposed to do that to keep the Jewish traditions happy. He was a good politician, but it was all for his political expediency. Remember our studies in 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 8. Remember what the people cried out? We want a king like the nations over us. And Herod is one of those kings that was just like the kings over the nations, pretender but not a true believer in God. I love what G. Campbell Morgan says about this. He says, it's kind of an irony, a godless theocracy. How can you have a godless theocracy? Well, it was pretending that they were under God, but it was godless. So Herod was attacking the new nation. Yes, the church is a holy nation. I do believe Israel has a future, that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, have promises that are yet to be kept. But at this time and this place, we are God's holy nation. It's not just the Jews, but it's Jews and Gentiles. And we are to be the light and the salt in the world that Israel kind of failed to do as they went astray. God's kingdom plan for Christ right now is way beyond Israel's borders, and we're a part of that. In Psalm chapter 2, or excuse me, in Psalm 2, we're told about how the nations rage against God's anointed one. And Herod is a picture of the kings ignoring God's anointed one and setting himself up as that anointed one and refusing and going after not only the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, but his people. So there's two kingdoms at war. The battle lines are drawn. Earthly King Herod has the power and mighty Rome is backing him up. He's had James beheaded and that makes the Jews happy. So he's imprisoned Peter and, and planning on executing him very soon. And it was during the Passover. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Just the same time Jesus was betrayed and put on trial and crucified all during Passover. Here is Herod, Passover to be celebrating the Savior who's come, but he's denying that anointed one and going after his servants who are declaring his praises. And what can God's people do when Herod's against you, when Rome's against you, when all of the society and culture seems to be against you? What can you do? You have a heavenly king, so you pray to him. There's an empty tomb. Jesus' tomb is empty. And that predicts the ultimate outcome of these two kingdoms at war. Peter's prison cell is soon to be empty. That's just a little taste of how God will deliver all his people, and sometimes even now in miraculous ways, to reveal 
his glory. So we're in a war. You felt it this week. You were battling with your own sin nature. The world pressing in on us. The flesh, our own carnal self, our our natural bent towards sin and the devil. Dark forces fighting against us, but God never forgets his people. And God shows us that through Luke here, that we have a mighty Savior who's working for us. So let's take a look again at the text. How is God remembering his people? Jerusalem, by the way, is fading out of the limelight. Antioch is becoming the center where God's word is going to be going out into all the world. Has God forgotten Jerusalem? No. God never forgets his people. He's not like us. We move on to new things and kind of forget the old, but God never forgets. About this time, it says in verse 12, verse 1, about this time, King Herod arrested those who belonged to the church. Well, it's referring us back to just what had happened. There was famine relief. God remembered Jerusalem. He hadn't forgotten his people there, even though it was going out of the spotlight. He, they were still doing his work, and he hasn't forgotten him. Luke mentions that there was famine relief sent from the church in Antioch to Jerusalem. Well, that, that famine happened about 46 A.D. Herod died in 44 A.D., so there's a little bit of a flip there. Is, is Luke a bad historian? No. He's just being thematic. God remembers his people. He's taking care of them. So he gave them famine relief through other believers. God remembers his people. Peter's in prison, about to be executed, and God sends an angel to protect him. God remembers his people. Established churches can fade in vision. We can get off mission. Our influence might seem to be fading. But when we get back on track, when we listen to the warnings that Jesus sends us, He will empower us to get back to the work because he never forgets his people. I stand at the door and knock. Just invite me in. Renew that relationship like the prodigal son did and see what I will do. I will empower my children. We need to return to our first love and always be striving to obey the Lord. So the Lord remembered his people. He took care of them in famine. And then we read about Uh, Peter's escape because God sent an angel. This wasn't the first time. In Acts chapter 5, the the Lord sent an angel and released the the disciples so that they were and commanded to go preach in the temple. And here he, he, he rescues Peter. We read the story already, so I won't go into all the details again, but let me just encourage you. Enjoy the humor of this story. Here are people praying fervently, boldly, but at the same time doubting that God would really answer. Peter knocking on the door, looking around, saying, wow, hurry up and open up the door. You guys need to get new, better greeters at your church door. Let me in. I wonder if he was getting frantic. 
And then I'm saying, Rhoda, you're, you're, you're nuts, you're crazy. How can this be? You must have seen an angel of Peter just doubting and they're asking for God to deliver him and yet here he, what a great encouragement to know that God hears my prayers because I don't know how to pray. And yet here he is, hearing his saints' prayers and answering and delivering, even when we doubt, just surrendering to God's will that your will be done, not mine, and believing that God will do what's best. He has not forgotten his dear people. But everybody asks this question, and you're thinking it. Maybe you did when when Scott read the scriptures. How come God rescued Peter but not James. Was James less important than Peter? We know Stephen's death, you know, moved the church out. That persecution, it seemed to have, like, positive results. So we can see, well, that makes sense. But James, there's no report of anything good coming from his death. So was his testimony for, for God, for Jesus, a waste of time? I mean, James was the one who wanted to be one of the guys sitting at Jesus' right and left hand. And Jesus asked him, can you, can you endure the baptism that I'm going to be going through, meaning the cross? And James said, I can. Do you remember what Jesus told him? You will. And here he is, staying true. But it seems like such a waste. Jesus asked for his cup to be removed, but it wasn't removed. And our salvation came through as death for us. So just remember, saints, any believer's life or death will bring glory to Jesus Christ. Just believe and obey and remain true to your faith. Faith in Jesus, not ourselves, gains us the victory. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of Christ. So take heart. James wasn't forgotten when he died. He was delivered into Jesus' presence. It was just a different kind of deliverance. Peter was delivered this time. But there would be a time when he would suffer death for Christ. I don't know if it was Terry or Grace this week, but thank you for the sign. It was from 1 Peter 4.19. Listen to what Peter says. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator who will do good. That's our Savior. He never forgets us. So God's will is done in physical deliverance for Peter and not physical deliverance for James. We should pray for deliverance and remain faithful and obedient no matter what happens. So God's remembering his people in Jerusalem, even though it's no longer going to be in the spotlight or the mission center, so to speak, his people are still there and they're still serving him and making disciples. They're being obedient and following their Savior. He never forgets his children. So he sent famine relief. He sent an angel to deliver Peter in answer to their prayers. And at the end of the chapter, we see that he has Herod removed. Let's read those last few verses, starting at verse uh, verse 19. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. And he had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they were now joined together and sought an audience with him, having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king. They asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. 
on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. God's pretty graphic sometimes, isn't he? Wow, what a picture. So there was famine stress in Jerusalem. Tyre and Sidon, who were arguing with their king, needed an audience. Peter was imprisoned. Herod was still around. Herod had a bruised ego. Peter escaped. He couldn't find him. Peter went underground. The consolation was he executed the, the guards. And then he left the city for a while. He was flattered and called a god. Josephus, the great historian from the time, says that he wore royal robes that were all covered with silver. So when the sunlight hit it, just all kinds of rays of the sun would be beamed out and blind the people. And they're like, oh, this is a god. And instead of giving glory to God, he took it all for himself. And what happened? It's ironic, isn't it? Beautiful on the outside. Being eaten by worms on the inside. Because that's how he died. Listen to Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. A little later on in verse 9 we read, And you will rule over them with an iron scepter and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you will be destroyed in your way for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Here's Herod fighting against the anointed one. He doesn't kiss the son, the anointed one. He's telling the people, kiss me and I'll give you your food. I'll settle things down. He'll take on all the glory like the one. He's fighting against the Lord's servant and the Lord crushed him. Let's just allow that to remind us to be fearful of the Lord. To be in awe of our God. And to understand that the world is against him and, and we need to be out there pressing them to believe and to turn to him. Let me just reread the passage in Acts just a little differently. On the appointed day, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. On the appointed day, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. And everyone outside the ark perish on the appointed day. It's one of those events that God just tells us about. Why does he tell us that? Why does he want you and me to be reminded about that? Why does he want the world to know this? 
because we need to turn to Jesus Christ to rescue us, the anointed one, the savior, the one who died in, in our place, the one who came to rescue us from sins. And if you haven't entrusted your life, the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life to Christ, then you need to not wait any longer. But the truth is no one needs to suffer what Herod suffered. No one needs to be separated from God from all eternity. This morning, I just want to read a very familiar passage. We sang it today. John 3. Familiar verses to so many of us. Just as Moses, beginning at verse 14, John 3, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of, the, of God's one and only son. Jesus came to die for our sins. He was resurrected to life, proving he is the anointed one, the Savior. And everyone who puts their faith in him, who believes in him, will, will receive eternal life. Jesus came to rescue, not to condemn. He didn't come here to have us eaten by worms and die and suffer. <laughs> and to be separated from God from all eternity, but he came to give us life. Spirit of God used believers in Antioch to bring relief. God carried James into his presence. He delivered Peter from prison through an angel. Remember, Jesus never loses one of his sheep. The angels dealt justice to Herod because he denied the Lord. Real quickly, just want to mention, God never forgets his people. Have I said that? He sent an angel to deliver. He sends angels to minister to his people. He gave Philip directions, go south. He told Cornelius, go send for Peter. When the disciples were in trouble, he sent angels to deliver him. In chapter 27 of Acts, he sent an angel to comfort Paul when he was on the ship about to be shipwrecked reminding him that he would be taken care of. He's angels of judgment. He sends angels to, be, to send judgment. The Jews believed that everyone had an angel. So when Rhoda said she saw Peter, they said, oh, you just saw his angel. They believed that we all have guardian angels and that they can take on the form of who they are guarding. We can't really say if I have guardian angels or not, but we do know from Hebrews chapter 4 that they are ministering spirits to take care of all those who have eternal life, those who are believers in Christ. And we're told not to forget to entertain strangers because maybe, just maybe, like Abraham and Sarah or Lot or Samson's parents, they entertained the Lord and some angels unknowingly at the time. I've lived long enough that I have probably had brush, I have had a few brushes with death, not anything too serious, but sort of kind of close. Was a guardian angel taking care of me? 
I don't know. But God was. He intervened in some form or way. And maybe I've been protected and haven't known it. But just know that God takes care of his own. There are many missionary stories. I could read countless accounts this morning that talk about miraculous deliverance by angels, that their enemies saw them and and stopped because of those who were guarding the missionaries that they wanted to kill or to hurt. God never forgets his people and he takes care of them. God never forsakes his own. Jerusalem was under persecution, but God had not forgotten them. Prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Why Peter and not James? We don't know. Is it because they didn't pray hard enough for James and they prayed harder for Peter? No, it was because it was God's will. But we ask God to do amazing things that we cannot do. Not your will, but ours be done. Surrendering to God's will, whatever it is. Recognizing our human limitations. My motives in prayer can be so mixed up. All the glory to Jesus, but then why do I get upset when I'm not recognized? I just want a little piece of it. But God sees through all that, and he answers prayer. Earnest praying. Praying with agony is the, is the words there, actually, in the text But they were praying in agony for Peter so fervently and earnestly. And then when God answered their prayer, they were surprised because they were doubting. (laughs) But they were praying boldly anyway for God to do something amazing. And that's a lesson for us. Remember the widow that Jesus talked about in this parable that went to the unjust judge, you know, to bring justice and he And she wore him out from asking and pestering him. And he finally said, okay, I'm going to give the lady what she wants because I'm tired of having her at my doorstep. How much better is your God? And just and good to answer your prayers. So pray boldly. Some dads and young men have been gathering together doing a study called Bold. And one of the topics was bold prayer. And Joby Martin, the speaker of the video we were watching, said this. I love this quote. It challenged me. I haven't been able to forget it. If God answered all our prayers from last week, Joby said, how would our world be any different? Would poverty have been lessened? Would justice have increased? Would our friends still be lost? If our prayers are not intimidating to us, then maybe they're insulting to God. Pray boldly. Believe that your God wants to answer your prayers, that his will will be done through his people as they seek him out. The boldest step we can ever take in life is to surrender our lives in faith to a risen Jesus Christ. James did. Peter did. Mary and Martha did, and countless unnamed people through the ages have. And I pray you have too. Let's together pray and ask God, the God who conquered death, who's risen. He's walking among us. He will walk with you and lead you to still waters and green pastures. And he is walking and will walk through us, with us, even through the valley of the shadow of death. 
he will never forget his people. That's our God. That's one of the reasons I think Luke wrote this down by God the Spirit's guidance so we would be reminded that even when we feel like we're, things are going against us and fading away, God never forgets his people. There are two kingdoms at war. Are you in the battle? The battle lines have been drawn. Are you surprised at the difficulties? <laughs> but Jesus has equipped us to stand firm and serve well. Let's keep ourselves in a healthy spiritual shape to serve our king when the orders are given, whether it be to be released from prison or not to be released and put to death for our witness for Christ. God tells us how he delivers his people so we persevere. He answered prayers. What he's done in the past can happen tomorrow, can happen today. But we trust Jesus because he never loses any of his sheep. And don't be surprised if you never see an angel. But don't doubt that they're here surrounding you and protecting you and watching over you because God has sent them to watch over his people. And is there an important lesson about praying here for me today or for you today, for us today as a congregation, as followers of Christ? We close with this, verse 24 of Acts chapter 12. After all had, had gone through in the chapter, here's what, what we end with. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. The church in Jerusalem was going down. No, never. But you see, as they obeyed, as they trusted, as they followed, as they dared to believe, the word of God spread. It's always true when we believe and we follow and obey, God watches over us. In Isaiah chapter 40, God reminds us of the strength of his unchanging character and his word. All men are like grass, it says in verse 6 of Isaiah 40, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of God spread. Herod was gone. James was dead, but Peter escaped because the Lord delivered. Famine relief was sent, and God's word spread because God never forgets his people. And how are we to respond to that? <laughs> you who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout and lift it up, and do not be afraid. Why? Verse 10 of Isaiah 40. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him and see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. That is his church. That is us.
who believe in him. Let's pray. Father and God, would you open up our eyes to see your mighty deliverance, how you've worked in the past, what you've accomplished in Christ to inspire us, to fill us with hope and courage and strength because we're assured that you are watching over us. Lord, we fall so short, we doubt. Our prayers are weak. Help us to pray boldly and daring. Renew our faith, Lord. Lead us back to your ways. Give us your heart. Fill us with faith. Do this so the gospel spreads as we scatter away from here today. May we be your light and your salt because we are your people, your holy nation. Amen.